Hello and welcome to the Interrobang Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Theodore. Welcome to the third installment in our Pride Podcast series. As you know by now, we've been featuring conversations with prominent members of the LGBTQ2S plus community all month long. And this week is no different. She was the first trans person to ever serve as vice president of Pride London and is an advocate for trans representation in London. Amanda Pearson, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Maybe before we get started, if we could just do a, a quick intro to, to who you are and, and what you do, just for anyone out there who might not be familiar. Okay. Um, well, um, my name's Amanda. I have been in the London community for uh, eight years. I've lived in London for six. Uh, prior to that, I was living in Woodstock and commuting to London for uh, Pride activities. Um, I am a transgender woman. Um, I, a little bit about myself, I used to own a business uh, and transitioning caused the business to close. So I ended up uh, going back to Western uh, for a four year program. I got a, a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology. Uh, after I finished my uh, program at Western, uh, I've been um, looking for work, but it's been kind of tough during this COVID uh, lockdown. Um, so I'm basically semi-retired now, uh, not hinting at my age, but I'm basically semi-retired. Um, I, uh, while I was at Western, I started to do a lot of uh, in-classroom uh, talks. Uh, I started off about, uh, you know, covering uh, the lived experience of being a trans woman, uh, out trans woman living in London. Um, I quickly, because I was studying psychology, I focused my education on gender identity. So I quickly uh, modified my talks at Western to include a lot of the uh, uh, results of various studies and theories of gender identity while I'm talking about my lived experience. So I've been doing that now for uh, six years and um, I do I do multiple classes every year, and in the last couple of years, it's expanded to doing talks outside of Western, say, um, you know, uh, a couple of businesses, which I don't have permission to say their name, but a couple of businesses have me in, uh, and um, I'm currently looking at doing some in-classroom sessions at another community college in the area, and uh, yeah, that's what... That's basically what how I've occupied my time, except I was the vice president of Pride London Festival for um, seven months. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, that's basically my uh, resume in a nutshell. I love that, yeah. And now you're, you, you say you're from Southwestern Ontario, sort of in and around this area. Um, what was it like growing up in this area as a trans person or who someone was who was coming to terms with gender identity uh, growing up in southwestern Ontario? Um, well, first of all, I never had to come to terms with my uh, gender variant, uh, gender identity. Uh, that's because I hid. Um, I grew up in, I was born and raised in Woodstock. Uh, so I lived, uh, my childhood was in the 60s and high school was in the 70s. 
Um, so, and then in 77, I came, I went to Fanshawe for three years and, uh, and all that time as a male. Now I was fully aware of the fact that I identified as female since I was, uh, four years old, but in that day and age, um, homosexuality wasn't made legal until 1969. Uh, and to a certain degree, even though homosexuality has been accepted since 1969, uh, the transgender phenomenon has not been as accepted until probably the last decade. Uh, so I, I basically lived my life in hiding. Uh, it was difficult. Uh, I learned as a child to ate boy behavior. Uh, I really preferred to play with girls, but uh, you hit that age where girls want to play with girls and boys want to play with boys. And since I was someplace in the middle, that's basically where I spent my uh, childhood was in the middle. Um, and, um, and then of course, as I got older and into high school and, you know, dating became the phenomenon, the problem was I wasn't homosexual. So I wasn't interested in dating males. I identified as a female, but you have a friendship with a female in high school and there's an expectation of dating and i really didn't want to date a girl because i identified as a girl so high school was interesting um i was i was accepted as part of the crowd but i was also the oddity because i was the one male that wasn't dating anybody through all of high school and all of college uh so yeah that part of my life was uh, pretty pretty difficult. In high school, I made I made more friends than I did in younger grades. Um, and I found that I was accepted, but there's still a lot of questions about just exactly who I was, you know, the raised eyebrow, etc. Uh, after Woodstock, I moved to Sarnia, I spent, oh boy. Uh, so when I finished, I finished Fanshawe in 1980, and I lived in uh, Sarnia for 25 years. Um, I had fully intention to transition and while I was uh, single and living alone in Sarnia, but at that particular point, transitioning in Sarnia wasn't probably the smartest thing to do, being a blue collar factory uh, chemical plant town, um, definitely something that wouldn't have been accepted too well. And so I kind of got, I kind of got mired in life and eventually I married a, a woman, um, and we had a marriage of 25 years. Um, so after 25 years in Sarnia uh, and Corona were the two places I lived in the Sarnia area, we moved over to Glencoe. We spent about a decade in Glencoe and that's when my marriage ended. And at, the at that point in time, when my marriage ended, I decided I could no longer continue my life pretending to be something I wasn't. And so I transitioned. And so at age 55, uh, 2013, I came out as a transgender woman and I've been living as a woman ever since. Thank you for being so open and honest about your experience. Um, I really appreciate it. I'm curious to know in that time since you were able to come out and transition, how you found community here in London or if it was more challenging, maybe at 55, I think a lot of people think about pride as like getting out and partying young people, but is it is it more challenging to, to find that tribe when you're transitioning later in life? Um, it, it was more difficult, but 
because I started at the university um, in a four-year program, I found that I was able to make a lot of friends at the university. Now there is a classmates, there is quite a bit of an age difference, but the classmates were actually very good and accepted me quite well. And for older adults who were studying there, I also seemed to uh, be accepted by them. Uh, the faculty was uh, really good. So um, coming to London and predominantly being at Western, um, it was a very good experience for me because I was quite well received. But within the London community itself, it was, excuse me, it was substantially more difficult. Uh, I've, um, being older, uh, when I transitioned, of course, I, uh, I have a harder time because I am tall. I'm six foot two tall. Uh, and my voice, of course, had already dropped and, and it won't go back up higher again. So, um, yeah, I, I faced a lot of problems around London with, um, you know, mostly insults and, and the subject or the butt of people's humor, although I didn't find it humorous. Um, in fact, very few people found it humorous. But um, within the community itself, I've been able to uh, find a lot of compassionate people and made a lot of friends. As for Pride, uh, yeah, Pride is a young person's organization, or at least it was when I started coming here. You know, it was it was geared towards um, the Pride London Festival and the parade, and the parade was interesting, but it was mostly young people marching. And when you got to the festival in the park, the events that were set up were for people who, you know, were between in their late teens through their twenties, uh, maybe as early as the early 30s and there wasn't really much for somebody in my age group to do so uh yeah it was kind of frustrating going to pride and um while i attended prides and and i took part in any uh of the activities that i could where you know i could meet people my own age there wasn't much for me to do during pride week when you look at the community today does london and like southwestern ontario in general feel like a space that is safe and welcoming for trans folks or is there more work that needs to be done here i i have to be honest i felt safer two years ago um the last two years of, uh, i've noticed that the number of people who will openly confront you or confront me has grown um and i tend to face some pretty discriminatory language uh almost on a daily basis now covid 19 actually was kind of nice because I spent more time indoors and it gave me a break from some of that language but I've definitely noticed that there's um, that there's been a change and a bit of a regression in the area but generally speaking um, London and southwestern Ontario is a great place to be because the vast majority of people are more accepting of your identity however some things people take for granted are very difficult for me because I've been applying for work for eight years and I haven't been able to find a job. And while my qualifications are there and I believe um, my owning a business for over 20 years, uh, you know, definitely gives me a leg up. Um, when it comes to interviews, you can tell people are reacting negatively to my gender status. And the end result is, is that if I get an interview, it's not taken seriously. Um, you get to recognize you get to recognize the behaviors and the faces people make and you realize that they're just super uncomfortable 
with a trans woman potentially working in their organization. For my friends who have a job and transition at work, uh, they get to keep their jobs. But as I as I've uh, I've noticed that if you lose if you transition at work, if you lose your job, then you're in the same boat as me. It's very difficult to find work. So it sounds like yes, there is still some work that needs to be done. There's a, there's a lot of work. Oh that yeah. Needs to be done. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, uh, uh, I'll be honest. I recently on the Pride board, I had meetings with the police, the London City Police, and but in in the years leading up to the those meetings, I had some pretty negative negative experiences with police officers. Um, you know, making uh, sexist and transphobic remarks to me. Uh, so it was one of the difficult things I had to do as part of the pride board was to actually talk to the police. Uh, but I get a real sense that the chief of police and the diversity officer, their hearts are in the right spot and they're dealing with the momentum of some older officers that probably will never change. They need to retire and get out of there. So younger, more accepting people can occupy the job. But, uh, yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of work in that area that needs to be done as well. Well, on that note, can we can we talk a little bit about your your time with Pride London? Sure. So, uh, well, I guess first and foremost, I mean, what what drew you to want to be on the board and to you know tackle that role as vice president? Okay, so the um, the first uh, seven years I was here, the Pride board was wholly focused on the festival and the parade okay they um social activism just well they openly stated that they weren't into social activism uh they were only focusing on you know planning a party once a year well um i saw a shift last year where um there seemed to be some people who were talking about pride becoming a year-round uh, organization that advocates for the community, educates, and uh, tries to improve everybody's lot in life. And so I ran and filled a vacant position on the board. And then at the elections last year in November, um, we got a bunch of new members who were also interested in expanding that role and doing more education, community outreach, etc. So I saw the opportunity uh, to be part of what I considered a real movement to change pride uh, and do more of the things that would help us. Again, it's kind of hard to say this because a lot of people will be upset, but when you have older gay and lesbian couples in London who are the majority of the members of pride, well, they they have worked for decades and they've, they've been able to achieve uh, equity in a lot of their lifestyle. So uh, they lived in, a, in an age where they started off where it was illegal and the police harassed people. Well, then the police were marching in the parade. They also got same-sex marriage. So from their perspective, life is good and it's wonderful. But if you're a transgender woman or belong to the non-binary community or the intersex community, or you happen to be a member of the LGBT community from say the BIPOC, uh, you know, have that uh, interaction with the BIPOC community. Um, we still face a lot of uphill battles, uh, a lot of social uh, negative stigma. And, uh, and I really felt that Pride should be addressing this. But to get, the, to get the whole organization to go through this paradigm shift and move it back to where 
we start to, well, and another group that's marginalized is young people who are coming out. Uh, they still face a huge uphill battle. So to get pride shifted over to where we're starting to, to deal with these groups who have essentially been left out over the decades that pride's been in existence, it's hard to get the older members to, to make that shift. And then of course, um, uh, so they so they get kind of upset because you know, well not upset but they're concerned because the new board is looking at doing more stuff and not focusing. They felt we weren't focusing enough on the festival. Well, the festival is still important. The parade's important. Of course, we're going to focus on that. But this other stuff is really important too. But we were getting negative feedback on doing that stuff, and conversely. The young people who we were trying to, you know, open up pride and actually swing it around to represent young people, they were so fed up with the previous pride boards that they were quitting and leaving the organization and they didn't want Pride London Festival to speak for them anymore. So we were getting criticism from that side as well. Uh, in essence, I'm really hoping that next year we can, uh, that there's going to be some the board next year is going to continue to try to move pride in the right direction. And, um, and if I see, if I see the possibility of pride actually making those changes, I will definitely go back and, you know, volunteer in the organization. Right now, I just feel like pride is stuck between who they were and who they need to be. You feel that in, in those seven months that you were there, you were able to, to make any kind of impact on, on hopefully that status quo starting to change at all? Uh, yeah, we, um, we were reaching out to various uh, community groups that um, bridges had been burnt between pride in these community groups. And so we were reaching out to these groups trying to reestablish contact. Now, uh, trust is a wonderful thing, but if you lose trust, it's almost impossible to win it back. You really have to work hard. So we were reaching out to these groups. Um, we were starting to make some inroads. Um, so I was really happy. I just received a phone call today from um, a contact at Atmosa, and she was checking in with me. Um, so it was real. It's really nice to see some of those bridges being reconnected. And I mentioned the police before. So uh, after two years of very poor relationships with the police, this year we were able to sit down and talk. You know, start talks. Uh, try to make some headway, and there's a lot of really blunt talk in there. But I think I think we were making headway with the police. Um, some of, some of the other things we did um, as a board member, I was kind of happy we came up with this idea of a Pride London network, which was airing uh, video content to people while they were locked in, uh, you know, for COVID, etc. Uh, there was a real push because of COVID to do a lot more virtual stuff. So rather than focusing only on the Pride Week, we decided to focus on virtual content throughout the year. Uh, there was a, uh, we were really doing a good job of promoting local artists, singers, songwriters, uh, musicians. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be able to run a few, or to begin a program series of videos. I, I started and operated a Facebook page called Let's Talk Trans London. And that get, that's a space for trans people to have an open discussion about transition issues. Something which is kind of, because it makes people feel uncomfortable, 
it's kind of shut down in the various organizations that already exist. Uh, they don't want too much can to talk about transitioning. So this page was dedicated to trans people and so they could talk about serious issues. Well, as part of the Pride London Network, I was able to organize um, five or six uh, Let's Talk Trans videos where we interviewed local personalities and we got their story. We were just at the point of moving into talking about some of the social issues and how to address them in London uh, when I resigned. But I, I intend to continue doing that as uh, part of my uh, as part of my activities in my semi-retirement. And um, I will I will offer them through the Bride London Network, but I'll also create a YouTube channel and start to air them directly on a YouTube channel as well. So this is kind of uh, bleeding into my next question a little bit, which is just how you hope to stay connected and involved with the LGBTQ plus community here in London outside of Pride and maybe how others can can do the same. Well, I definitely plan to continue doing my uh, classroom and public speaking engagements. Um, what I like best about those engagements is if I'm talking to people who are not members of the LGBT community, uh, which, which I feel is a great way to educate individuals. Um, and with it expanding outside the borders of uh, Western, uh, you know, I'm going to get an opportunity, hopefully, to talk in a couple community colleges this year. Uh, also, I'm going to be talking to a couple of uh, private companies. Uh, again this year. Um, those are really exciting things for me to do because I'm reaching the right people. Um, if you can if you can change the hearts and minds of cisgender people, then that goes a long way to making our lot in life easier. Uh, I also, as I mentioned before, am planning to do a series of Let's Talk Trans videos where I focus on things like uh, employment or lack of employment in the London area. Uh, also, uh, housing issues, uh, especially among our um, trans youth. Uh, a lot of them are homeless from, as a result of being asked to leave the family setting and having no place to go. Uh, I want to talk about um, uh, medicine. Uh, you know, at least, at least open a dialogue on how uh, how transition uh, medical treatment can change to better facilitate the individual's life who's changing as opposed to making politicians and uh, naysayers happy to focus more on making the patient happy. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm planning all those sorts of things. And of course I will, uh, I'll help out where I can in other organizations. For Fanshawe students and young people that are still looking to find a home and find a community here in London, how can they find that and find ways to get out of the campus bubble so that they can really find a community here? There are various organizations that are set up to, uh, uh, to cater to young people. Um, I, would, I would invite them out to the things that we go to, but sitting having tea <laughs> it might not be what young people are looking for. So, Sounds great to me, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's the, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, I believe it's called Rainbow Youth Connection uh, through regional HIV AIDS. Uh, there's uh, Trans London, which is a just basically a monthly, once a month uh, get together 
Uh, it used to be held at the uh, Pillar Associates um, main floor uh, meeting area there. Um, there are a couple of other organizations like PFLAG, uh, Rainbow Optimist uh, is another opportunity, although I will be honest, the Rainbow Optimist tend to be older adults, but um, there's an opportunity within uh, the Optimist organization to join a youth um, or to form a youth group. Um, and uh, of course, uh, anything that Pride London Festival puts on. Um, other than that, I feel I, I feel that there's a there's a real hole in uh, in London right now. Uh, and this isn't for young young youth, but for uh, say college age and university age. There used to be lavish, which has closed down and become a restaurant. Uh, so we're we that's left a big hole in the community to not have that sort of a meeting place. I would really love to uh, see that hole filled. I know there's a couple people working on it. Uh, yeah, so um, I guess the best thing to do is maybe join some of these groups and take a look for people posting things. Uh, I know there is just recently a impromptu get together held in Harris Park for young people. Uh, and you know, keep, keep your eyes open for that. In the meantime, um, yeah, uh, if, if I can, I'll, I'll definitely try to uh, help any individual create a new uh, venue for people to get together and meet. And if I get back on the pride board in the future, if I see going in the right direction, I'll definitely work on uh, programming that will facilitate the ability of uh, the community to to interact with each other. Well, and I know just having you here and hearing your voice and hearing your story is gonna go a long way for a lot of people. So thank you so much for being with us, Amanda. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. I enjoy, I enjoy talking. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, anytime you invite me, I'll be here. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Pride Podcast series. Next week will be our final episode in the series, so make sure you tune in to hear our last guest. Listen on our website, Google Play, Apple Music, and Spotify. And make sure you keep an eye on our website for more great Pride content all month long. For the Interrobang, I'm Hannah Theodore.